Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for each of these women and the way that you've shown up for them. Um, I thank you for just the fact that you show up in sweet, generous ways, um, though it may be moments that are hard for us, though it may be moments that are um, require us to step back and think and reflect. Lord, you, you are there, you are with us, and it's your reflection we're looking on to, and I thank you that um, that your presence has been made known. And um, I pray for Gail. Um, I thank you for all that you've placed on her heart. I'm just amazed by her strength and her spirit and her resilience. Um, that word stuck out to me for her. And God, I know that you have great plans for each one of our lives. And um, I'm just thankful we all get to um, hear a little bit about what you've done with Gail and what you're continuing to do. So please bless her words. Let them minister to all of our hearts. And um, I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I can honestly say that I wish you all were here at my kitchen table with me. And I could see you and touch you and love on you a little bit. Um, there's there's been a lot of conversations around this table over the years and it's just one of my favorite places to be when I'm talking to someone about about the word of God. So um, I want y'all to excuse me if I read some stuff because I that's the only way I'm gonna stay on target with this because I could talk to you for a long, long time about this. But um, I was concerned and then I remembered that's not a concern. I was going to see if some of you would help me read some scripture passages. And I thought, well, they might not bring their Bible. <laughs> well, they're home. They can go to their bedroom and get it if they don't have it with them. So um, would someone look up Matthew 22, um, 35 through 40? Um, I just want to start by reading a couple of passages from God's word and then uh, a couple of articles from two people that I dearly love and that's R.C. Sproul and John Piper just to kind of um, get us started and it's and I'm, I'm just going to talk to you all just a little bit tonight about something that I'm very passionate about um, and some of you, bless your heart, have maybe heard this before, but it's still, it's still where I am. I haven't changed. Um, but Matthew 22, 35 through 40, would someone read that? And um, then if you're, is anybody reading scripture off of their phone? Or you are, okay, good. Will you look up Psalm 19, 7 through 14 in the NLV, I mean, NLT version, please. All right, let me see if I can figure it out where, if, how to get to that version. I mean, you uh, click on the version you're on. Which one is it you said? The, uh, the NLT, New Living Translation. New Living, yep, I got it. Okay. All right, but first, Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Okay, I'll bite. Um, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. When you look at that, have um, I mean, we just we just read right through that because it's quite familiar. And if you ever did downline, that was one of the little chunks of passages you had to memorize. What does loving God with all your mind mean? How do you think that's even done? Mm. I think it goes along with taking every thought captive. I mean, just trying to consciously protect your thoughts and protect where your mindset is. Mm -hmm. That's good, especially during this that we're going through too, isn't it? Anybody else? And I, I think just knowing him, getting to know him with your mind, of getting to know his character, and it's that knowledge of him. Um, I'm going to read you this article by R.C. Sproul, who at this moment no longer sees through a mirror dimly, but right now he's seeing Jesus face to face. He no longer knows in part, but he knows fully because R.C. Sproul is in the presence of the Lord. And I just thought, oh, wonder what he's talking to him about right now as I read this. But um, Loving God with Our Minds by R.C. Sproul. The human mind is one of the most incredible aspects of creation. It is more powerful than the largest supercomputer and can solve great problems and make great discoveries. The faculty of thinking with which we reason has been seriously disturbed and corrupted by the fall. In our natural, unregenerate state, there is something dramatically wrong with our minds. As a consequence of our suppressing the knowledge of God in our sin, we have given over to a debased mind, as it talks about in Romans 1.28. Any consideration of the human mind, therefore, must begin with the understanding that by nature, the mind does not love God at all, and it will not love God at all unless and until God the Holy Spirit changes its disposition immediately and sovereignly to set its affections on him. Regeneration is the necessary condition for loving God with all of our minds. Without it, there is no loving God. Note, however, that all of the mind's antipathy, that our natural, basic, or habitual repugnance toward God is not eliminated the minute we're born again. After regeneration, for the first time in our lives, we are disposed to the things of God rather than the things, um, I'm sorry, we are disposed to the things of God rather than against them. 
We are given a desire to have God in our thinking rather than despising the idea of having God in our thinking. But the residual effects and the power of our fallen human condition remain and are not eliminated entirely until we're glorified in heaven. The whole pilgrimage of the Christian life and our sanctification then is one in which we are seeking to love God more and more with our minds. Jonathan Edwards once said that seeking after God is the main business of the Christian. And how do we seek after God? By pursuing the renewal of our minds. The only way we can be transformed is with a renewed mind, as it states in Romans 12, 1 and 2. A renewed mind results from diligently pursuing the knowledge of God. Um, who was it that said their word was intentional? That, that's, Christina, that's what that's talking about. To be diligent in pursuing our knowledge of God, we've got to be intentional. True Christians want God to dominate their thinking and to fill their minds with ideas of himself. If we want to love God more, we have to know him more deeply. And the more we search the scriptures, the more we focus our mind's attention on who God is and what he does, the more we understand just a tiny little bit more about him and the more our souls break out in burning passion. We have a greater passion to honor him. The more we understand God with our minds, the more we love him with our minds. To love God with our minds is to hold him in high esteem, to think about him with reverence and adoration. The more we love God with our minds, the more we'll be driven to do that other thing that is alien to us in our fallen condition, namely to worship him. True knowledge of God always bears fruit in greater love for God and a greater desire to praise him. The more we know him, the more glorious he will appear to us. The more glorious he appears to us, the more inclined we will be to praise him, to honor him, to worship him, and to obey him, and to long after him. So we see there that it's that pursuit of the knowledge of God in that we find that in, in God's word. So um, Cricket, will you read um, Psalm 19, 7 through 14? And this is in the New Living Translation. So we're going to think about what God's word is for us. Okay. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. 
Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So it shows us right there the different qualities and the different characteristics of God's word. And sometimes I think if we really believe that, we would not have a problem running to God's word, would we? <laughs> After all, she just said it, it in the uh, ESV, it revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. It's righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, than much fine gold. And I just love that 12th and 13th verse in that version. Can you read that one more time? Uh-oh. I muted myself. Sorry. Oh, all right. uh, you said, okay. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. I just, I just, when I read that in that version, it just leaped out to me. But in, in seeing that, that John Piper read those verses as he was, um, he had gone to a conference for Bible study fellowship. And he said, I begin with Psalm 19 because I want you lovers of God's word to know that my heart is knit together with yours in this precious and delicious gift, God's inspired word written in the Bible, more precious than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. There may be nothing that I love to do more than to open God's word and exult over it with people who share my estimate of God's word as more precious than gold or health or life itself. Like the Puritans used to say, take my house, take my books, take my job, take my health, take my life, but don't take my Bible. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, 103. Well, that was the introduction. <laughs> kind of a long introduction, but I just, I just wanted you to see that the, um, the importance of God's word and how it will minister to us and get us through these times um, if you're reading it. And, and the, the key to that is to be reading it every day, not just when the bottom falls out. When the bottom falls out, it's real hard to concentrate, isn't it? <laughs> it's real hard to go to God's word and even find anything. So as we read it, we're building that foundation in our minds. We're loving him in our minds and storing his word there. Um, I, I wanted to tell you about two pivot points in my life. 
the first one of course there's there's many pivotal points that we could talk about in our life how god has taken us and changed us and showed us things um in my walk with the lord i will i will pull it back down to that particular part uh the first of course was my salvation and that happened over a period of time in my life um And I, and I could share that with any of you that wanted to talk to me about that later, but that's just not the story for this time, other than to say that I remember the day laying on my couch in that den, not that couch, but that den, and being at the lowest, darkest point I, I could have been in. Um, and just crying out to God. I, I, at that time, I was going to a little Baptist church, and there was a couple of older women in that church, and one of those little located women could talk about Jesus and just, she knew him. She knew him, and I didn't quite have that walk with him. Now, I was raised in the church, and every time the doors opened, even after we were married, I was in church because I knew that was the right thing to do. But when I would listen to her talk about Jesus, it was just awkward to me for me to do that. So that's what I told the Lord. I, I laid on the couch, and I had a LP album going of, of praise music and, you know, the big album. And it was talking about Jesus and loving Jesus. And I just said, Lord, I do not understand what the big deal is about Jesus. I could talk about God all day long. But to talk about Jesus, it just kind of stuck in my throat. And it was just not right. Well, little did I know that the reason I couldn't talk about him in that way of loving him is because I didn't know him. But that was foreign to me because I'd been baptized. I'd walked the aisle. I'd been baptized. Um, but in my desperation, I cried out to him and I said, I just want to know the big deal about Jesus. Why can't I talk about him? And why is that such a big deal? And you know, that shows the sweetness of the Lord because I wasn't zapped with any kind of lightning bolt or anything at that point in time. But that began my journey of knowing who he was. And that was in April, maybe early May, March. And in July, I went to um, Bill Gothard seminar and on July the 17th, because I had to look it up, I knew it was a Thursday night, but I didn't know the day. On July the 17th, 1980, that's where I saw who Jesus was and who I was. You know, when you're brought up in the church and, and you, you do all the things that's supposed to be right and honorable and all that, it's a little bit harder to get lost for the Lord to really show you who you are. And that was the point that I came to. That's what he showed me that night at that, that seminar was that I didn't have him in my heart. 
And that started, that was the first insight I had into the big deal about who Jesus was. Shortly after that, I went to a Bible study. That was in July. So in September, I went to a Bible study that was in a, a woman's home, which was oddly enough, the first time I'd ever done that. I don't recall Bible studies growing up. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, and there would be a women's mission meeting sometime in there, but we didn't have Bible studies like we do now. We didn't have a Tuesday morning women's Bible study or a Wednesday night women's Bible study. So going to that was just quite different for me. And the lady was teaching on the book of Exodus. Never heard Exodus spoke upon. I've heard Exodus preached on a little bit. Never had the concept of Jesus is all the way through Old Testament to New Testament. Just wasn't taught that. But she started showing Jesus all through Exodus. And it was absolutely so wonderful. And, and as I saw him, that started building in my heart about he was a big deal. Um, I was one of those little girls. It wasn't that I didn't read the Bible. I read it every night so that I could check my little card off to take to church the next Sunday. You know, you were, you did all, all the right things. It just didn't make sense to me. But in, um, I got to thinking about that too. At that point in time, all we had was the King James Version. And it was hard enough to understand that version and I know with the Holy Spirit, he teaches you with whatever, but it was just, I, I just read it. It was words coming out of my mouth. But as I started seeing the Old Testament taught through the eyes of Jesus, that just whet my appetite. Um, but reading God's word now was different than when it was when I was a little girl. He had opened my eyes and scripture has had started coming alive to me and started becoming real. So the second pivot point is really my whole main thing um, that literally changed my life. And I became passionate about that. And that happened at a first event retreat um, in the fall of 2005. And I got to thinking about that, y'all. I came to the Lord in 1980. And this huge turn in my life happened in 2005. That's 25 years after I came to the Lord that he showed me this. But for 25 years, I loved the Lord. I did the Bible studies. I followed after him. It wasn't that I was backslidden or anything like that. I was on fire as much as I knew to be with, with the Lord. But at that retreat, he took me a little deeper. And um, time after time, during that 25 years, he would show me a little more of the big deal of Jesus which made that article from R.C. Sproul 
meaningful to me that at the point of salvation, your mind is not fully released of all the residual effects of your reprobate mind. You know, that's a process and of sanctification. But at this, at this uh, retreat and cricket, I don't know if you remember too much about it or not, if, or if any of y'all, it was a lady named Judy Reamer. Do, do anybody besides Cricket remember her? Oh my goodness. And, and it, I might be the one or two of the whole group that can still say something like she impacted my life so greatly, but I think, and I think God does this. He had her there for me because I had tried over that 25 years to read through the Bible and I never could do it. I never could stick with it or do it. So I was 25 years into my walk with the Lord and I had never read through the Bible. She gave her testimony on a Friday night. And you can, you, I think you can hear this online now. I still have a, the CDs and I had to go borrow Erlene's CD player. I didn't even have a CD player. I wanted to re-listen to it today. But um, she gave her testimony on Friday night at how she, as an Orthodox Jew, got saved and how her life just turned around. Do any of you younger folks remember or have you ever heard of Pat Boone? If, if you don't know who that is, <laughs> um, have you watched... Um, God's Not Dead, and it might, I don't know if it's one or two, the, there's two of them, that the girl has her granddad in his house. Do you remember that? That's Pat Boone. He played that part, and he's forever old. He might still be alive. But anyway, he played a major part in Judy Reamer coming to know the Lord, and her testimony is captivating. She came to the Lord three years later, her husband, Bernie, the attorney, she called him Bernie, the attorney, came to the Lord. But y'all, they lost everything with their family because they were considered as dead because they were Orthodox Jews and they turned to follow Jesus. And she was called out from all over to give her testimony, but she had never read the Bible through. And one of the places where she had given her testimony, um, asked her to come back and do a Bible study. And she had not done Bible studies. So she had not read the Bible, of course. They don't read the Bible, even the Old Testament. The rabbi reads to them what they want. But anyway, she talked about how she knew she had to learn how to read the Bible. And she told God that I'm getting out of this if you don't teach me how to read the Bible. So her child came home from school. They had four kids and they put them in Christian school. And um, he put a little leaflet on the table as he walked by about this man that had come to their school and spoken that had read the Bible through 11,000 times. And she thought there is no way, no way. But just as things happened and 
changed and she had some missionaries visiting in her house. She had to take them across town to get something. She bumps into a couple from her church and there between them was this little man that she had gotten a leaflet from and she recognized his name. So he invited her to some meetings that he was going to. So he taught, what he did was he went around and taught people how to read the Bible. Now, for those of you that know her name, do you remember this story about her doing this? And I brought, I brought I'm a visual person, so I brought this to you. She said, um, she had a certain Bible. It was a giant print, New International Version Bible. And she said what he taught her to do was to cut her Bible up. And she did it and he helped her. So you cut the New Testament out, you take the Old Testament and you cut it into three sections and they end up being equal sections. So this is my cut up Bibles right here. She taught you how to she said you take them and you cover a manila folder and then you glue it into your into your folder and you cover it with contact paper and the cool thing about this is and this is how he read the bible so many times you have your bookmark and you read the bible 15 pages a day which is seven pages, front and back, 15 pages, and you don't write in it, you don't ponder over it, you don't stop and ask questions about it or look up anything about it, you just read through. And you just read God's word and you read God's word and you read God's word and it just washes over you. In one month, when you do that, you've read one book. So in four months, of reading 30 minutes a day, you've read the whole Bible. So I thought, okay, Lord, that's my answer to my prayer to you. I've not been, at, but I can do 30 minutes a day. I know I can do 30 minutes a day. So I read the Bible through and it was so exciting <clears throat> just to accomplish the task but to see, and you don't stop if you don't understand anything, you read all through it. And that was in, I'm thinking that's when we used to meet in October or late September. So I bought all the stuff and I had it at my house at Christmas. And that's when Brett and Keith, my daughter and son-in-law lived in Florida. They came home and, I, and we'd had a, an adult craft night. And I told them, I said, we're gonna have an adult craft. And Keith said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, we're going to cut up Bibles. And he said, we're doing what? I mean, you know, he was our little preacher boy. We're going to do what? So I showed it to him and I had them a CD of her testimony and her talk and everything to be with them. Y'all, they took that to Florida with them. And they started doing fancy scrapbook covers and then clear contact paper. It went through that whole church to where they got Judy Reamer at their church to talk. Bretta took it to Staten Island, New York, and she, all these ladies that travel on the subway cut up Bibles and took with them 
I mean, it was the most wonderful thing. I've done it here with Binghampton ladies, Binghampton young girls, downline girls. But the thing about it is you get in God's word and you just keep, you just keep reading it. And it, you start washing your mind with God's word and it comes to you when you have those difficult times, when those, those times come that um, um, I, I just, I just want to tell you that uh, your blood work came back great, but has your doctor talked to you about your mammogram? Well, no, I hadn't heard anything yet. Well, it is cancer and you need a surgeon. I meant like, whoo, that's how I found out I had breast cancer. Wasn't even my breast doctor. It was another doctor that was hooked into my chart, Baptist my chart. But having God's word, knowing God was sovereign, knowing that God was in control and being used to going into him, that, that was my salvation to have that. And being excited every day to get up and read God's word to see what God had for me that day, that, um, that's our foundation and that's what carries us through. And as younger girls, as older women that might be a little bit stale and, and I'm not saying you can't read your devotional books. I'm, I'm not saying that at all but it's something about keeping in God's word that transforms your mind and you see more and more the big deal about who Jesus is. She gave an example of it's like reading Gone with the Wind that when you when you read it the first time you settle in on um, Scarlet and Red and you read all that. Now, I've not read Gone with the Wind, and she talks about how big and thick it is. She said the second time you read it, you notice it mentions Melanie and Ashley. The third time you read it, you notice that even they even talk about the buttons on the soldier's uniform, and that's exactly the way it is when you read God's Word over and over. Every time you read it, you'll notice stuff that you didn't see before. Um, she said, now this was in 2005, she said that 90% of pastors have never read the Bible through. And 98% of believers have never read the Bible through. And I, I want you to understand, it's not that you just get through the Bible and say, I've read through the Bible. It's that constant scripture going in your mind and through your heart. Um, God illuminates his word, but we have to be in it to read it in order to see that. Um, John Piper says, God's inspired word is precious and a delicious gift to us. Like we read, more precious than gold, even much fine gold, Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Jesus said 11 times in the first three books of the New Testament, 
have you not read as he talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees? He didn't say, have you not studied about this before? He said, have you not read? Um, I, I think you all are all muted, um, but would someone um, read Luke 24, 44 through 45? Stephanie, can you unmute, unmute us? Um, I think so. Because I'm, I'm not hearing any kind of. Do you want me to read it, Gail? Yes, that would be great. Luke, uh, what is it? 24, 44, and 45. Okay. 24, um, you said 44 and 45? Correct. Okay. Pardon for the tapping. It's my dog running back and forth. So. Oh, I, I don't even hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Do me stop there. Is that the end of 45? Uh, it's, it starts again in 46. Do you want me to keep going? Oh, no, uh-uh, just to 45. Thank you. Oh, that was uh -uh. Uh, the uh, New American Standard. Okay, okay. But the, the thing you see there, and, and he's in talking to the disciples at that, at that point, that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He came to bring us understanding but our responsibility is that we've got to read it um with with you all um cindy christina tawny and Catherine and sarah y'all well sharon and suzanne y'all are are you muted can we can unmute ourselves okay um because i just wanted to kind of throw that out to you what what do you find that's hard for you? What keeps you from being able to be in God's word? Is there a certain thing or I know little mamas have to grab their moments and and I know that the reading the Bible through with young children cuz my my kids were 8 and 11 when I came to know the Lord and then out of my house by 2005 when I started being able to have the time to read the Bible through. But uh, what do you find is your biggest obstacle in being in God's word? Well, you're looking at one of my obstacles right here in my lap. <laughs> Whenever I sit down to have my quiet time, he has to sit right on the Bible, but that's one of mine right here, right there. Your child. I would tell you that I think unbelief is my greatest problem because I just don't believe that it's not that I mean and I read the Bible every day I just don't read all the way through it but I I, I don't think that I truly 
grasp the importance, the transformative power of God's word and to let it wash over me. Mm. I think mine is selfishness. Um, I want to get that extra little bit of sleep or I want to get that extra little bit of just that slight little bit of time by myself in the morning. And so I just, I take my time getting out of bed sometimes and it's purely selfish. I think mine is consistency. Um, I can do great for a while and Bible study helps me. I know that when I'm consistently in a Bible study and I have lessons and I have a lot of time to do that, then I do it. But when I don't, I'm just I'm not very disciplined to uh, always say, this is my time. Or, you know, every day is a little different, so I'll do it whenever. And I, I need to be more focused and, and make it that priority that it is, yeah. that it should be. Yeah. I'm like you, Suzanne. I haven't heard time. I want it to set time, a set place a set way and I can I can get it a structure around it and I can do it because it becomes a habit um but I've not it's hard to do that with four kids so um and I've been one of the intentionals that the Lord has been teaching me and telling me is to sit down and read his word um but like this morning we woke up at you know just before all my kids woke up and snuck out in, in the back to sit outside and read and I had just opened my Bible and two of my little ones came running out and I haven't had been until now to sit down and do anything. So it's hard. I was so angry. So sometimes I feel like I don't want to try because when I try and I get interrupted, I get so angry. So I do have a question about that. Um, is there a right way to do this? I mean, uh, I was thinking about it as you were talking, Gail. I was wondering if somebody like Christina could, like, maybe while she's doing the laundry, if she could listen to her seven pages through Bible Gateway. You know, I, I know how important it is to, you know, I mean, I do it all the time, a Scribner, you know. I know that it's really important to craft those sections. But I just wonder if you could do your seven pages while you're, I mean, nobody irons anymore, but let's just pretend that that's what you were doing. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the thing, now I, I have to tell you, that was when God started building a passion for reading God's word in my heart was back then. I don't use that right now. I might go back to it just to see if I, uh, you know, if to do it for four months. <clears throat> The plan I do right now is through the Gospel Coalition and it's Robert Murray McShane's plan where you end up going through the New Testament twice in a year, the Old Testament one, but you read four chapters a day. And it's the most amazing thing you will ever do because eight days out of 10, they build on each other or they coordinate somehow or they're talking about the same thing and how God gave that to that man to be able to do that. And he died either at 29 or 39, I can't remember. Very young, but I, I don't use her plan right now. And um, as, as 
far as little ones pulling on you, um, there's nothing that says you can't use, um, uh, what is the name of that children's Bible? Um, the storybook Bible? The storybook Bible. You know, stuff like that to read with your kids. And then maybe God will give you a time or just to designate, I'm just going to read the New Testament, you know, and because there's some of the New Testament books that's short enough that, that maybe you could read in 20 minutes or, or so. Um, anybody else have a suggestion that way? My problem, I know, oh, sorry. You go ahead. I've got a set amount of time and, and I want to read the Bible. I want to journal. I want to pray. And, and I kind of get swept up in one, you know, to the loss of the others. Because I, I know they're all important, and so inevitably, you know, especially mm -hmm. if I'm reading a, a great Christian book that is loaded with scripture or directing me to scripture, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, that will take the place of my Bible reading time, and then I'm moving on to journaling and prayer and, and trying to have grace and not beat myself up about it but that's that's where i'm kind of juggling well um it's definitely not a law and you don't want to put yourself under that for the law um it's just that i can tell you from experience that that reading through does something a little different to your body, soul, and mind, then a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here, or open it up and read the passage, you know, I've done all of that. I've done all of that, but I'm the type of person that I need structure when it comes to reading the Bible. That's the reason I love, Suzanne, the Bible study time, because I've got this section that I'm going to study, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. But my Bible reading time needs to be structured on that too. I, I just wanted to um, remind you once more with whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing, that the Word of God is perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and true, desirable sweet to your soul, brings great rewards. And then, and then that passage ends with, and this is where the Bible, being in the Bible helps you because he said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It brings us back to that but i i want to if if you all does anybody have anything else um to say i'm i'm going to close with just this one passage i i didn't confirm my time that i was supposed to close so you're doing so, great am I all right <laughs> um i'm going to read luke 24 27 through 32 um, and I, 
Oh, that was Matthew. No wonder that wasn't making sense. <laughs> I have to tell you that I think this passage might be one of my favorites. And it's, and it's the two on the road to Emmaus. Um, and beginning with Moses, and you know, Jesus is walking with this two and they don't know who he is. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So the very one that the scriptures are about was explaining himself to them. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at their kitchen table, with them. He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So my question to you is, and when I read that, that's just another reason why I love my kitchen table. I can just see them at the table. And then when Jesus blesses that bread and gives it to them, their eyes are open. Do you long for your heart to burn within you when you open up the word? One thing to remember is his desire is for you. And his thoughts toward you are more than the sand on the seashore. He desires to hear your voice. He um, knows you by name. That was one of the things that stood out to me in Exodus when they were going to do the divisions of the land, the inheritances of the land. God said to Moses, I want this one to do this, and I want this one to, he named their names. He knew their names, and he put them in those positions to do things. And he knows our names, y'all. He knows each one of us, and he gives us those things to do. He entrusts us with things to do. So I, I just, for his name's sake, so I just, Pray that you might consider asking the Lord to give you a burning passion, however it might work out. The Lord might wake you up at two o'clock in the morning. Catherine, sweet Catherine, you're going to be having all kind of opportunities if you breastfeed. <laughs> you can just drench that child in the word of God at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, but whatever time it does take that intentional effort to be in it. But I think the reward for that is beyond what we can even imagine because we get to know God more. Remember when you're reading God, God's word, he's speaking to you. So it's a time of conversation when you go to him.
and you and you read God's word. Y'all just don't know. I could go on for two more hours about it, but if you want to cut up a Bible, let me know. I'll show you. Thank you, Gail. You're very welcome. Um, let me just pray. I'll close us um, just in general, and then y'all are welcome to stay and chat. Gail, I don't know what your time frame is, but if anybody wants to talk with Gail or ask questions or just have more discussion, feel free. Um, Lord, I am just, I'm, I'm encouraged and I am in awe. Um, what a sweet reminder of um, the tenderness and the um, gentleness that comes from your word. Thank you for Gail and just the wisdom and the testimony that you have bestowed upon her. And thank you, Lord, for allowing her to share it with us and to allow us to glean a little bit. Um, Lord, I personally know that um, she's touched places in my heart that have struggled and um, has ignited some just eagerness within me, just in sharing your word. Um, and so I pray, Lord, that each of us would be able to come alongside those around us and encourage one another, especially those that are extra busy or struggling a little more than normal. May we be a source of encouragement to them with your word. And may that be what draws us back to you, um, that we would not just do it for our own good, but we would do it for the sake of knowing that it is an encouragement to those around us. So thank you for each of these women and I pray for their families and um, their evening. And I pray that you would allow each one of us to rest um, knowing <coughs> who you are, knowing your character and knowing that you are there with us and you are going before us. And I pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen.